With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandslots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. In today's episode of the Canon Podcast, join us as we break down the impact of Leandro Trossard, analyze the partnership of Haberts and Saka, discuss Arsenal's January transfer priority, and break down the future of Thomas Partey. Please, can George do the, the intro in his, in his British oh, accent? Please. George, go on. <laughs> you got it. Hello, and welcome back to a new episode. <laughs> Is that how I sound like to you? <laughs> no, no, not at all. You sound no, like yeah, a chimney sweep from like the 1800s. <laughs> <laughs> That's my version of the posh. Is that posh? Not even. No. That's geezer. That's charmer, mate. Hello. Hello. Oh, wait, get out of the pub. But yeah, guys, welcome back to the Canon Podcast. Me and George and Alex are here after a sensational victory against Sevilla in the Champions League. It was beautiful scenes. And let's break it all down. Starting off with the performance of Leandro Trossard as the false line, George. He started there. Our attack was fluid. We scored two goals. And uh, let's just say things worked out. So what do you make of his performance there? It was brilliant individually. You know, I thought he was much more technically secure. I think in his last performance, one thing that we kept talking about was uncharacteristically had a trampoline touch in his last start. Um, you know, he's always been very good in cameos, but his last start, to be fair, it was also post-injury. It's kind of what I had said. I don't think, you know, he has the match fitness, but individually, Trissard was brilliant. He was uh, connecting play on both sides, really emulating that kind of Jesus style, um, let's say. Didn't really have a bias either side, just very uh, efficient with his ball usage, something that we know and love with him um, in general. I I must say I want to open the floor to like a bigger discussion about whether or not a false nine or a Trossard profile is needed to see what we saw because despite him doing very good things and I think individually was very technically secure, I didn't see him do um, something different, let's say, that Eddie would have if he was in the same position except for maybe being a little bit more technically secure in his first touch. Um, but in terms of making the runs, in terms of his function in attack, I don't know if it was necessarily different to what we saw. I think the eights and our complements a little bit deeper, which maybe we'll get into later in the pod, had more of an impact. But I think Trissard himself, 
he's just he's a brilliant player. I think we underrate uh, Trissard and his impact in general because um, to talk about a finisher sub or even somebody that can come in and compete with the front line with the consistency that he does, it's pretty incredible. I mean, when you look at his goal and assist numbers to game ratios and you look at his chance creation metrics, when you start comparing them per 90 minutes, they're up there with the best in the squad. And I'm just trying to sit here and understand how do we get this boy to play more because he connects things and we have a connection issue at, at its core. And and so uh, almost when you have a solution like that, that's so readily available, that's experienced by the way. And I think he gives us a level of ruthlessness in the final third that not many others do. Um, not just that he's brave enough to try a shot at the edge of the box, not just that he's brave enough to do new things, but when you look back at kind of the best moments of Arsenal when he plays a full 90 minutes, he's always involved. He's either the one making the final cross that ends up having a, a header into the into the area that we score from, or he himself is finishing a chance, or he himself is breaking the deadlock and passing it um, to the side with, you know, Bukayo Saka. And I don't know the exact numbers, but how many goal and assists is that for Trissard and Saka as a partnership in general? it's got to be up there as one of the most in the squad. And so um, I think he's the definition really of a Arsene Wenger player. If I was really to go and describe an attacker, just completely versatile technician that can operate anywhere on the pitch. Uh, I'm a big fan. If there's a hundred fans of Trissard, I am one. If there's 10, I am one. If there's one, I am one of one. Um, I love this boy. And, and I think that he's been unlucky not to get more minutes and not to get um, more trust from Mikel um, in general. Yeah, I think prior to this game, he had one start as a false nine this season and that was against Fulham. And he was, you know, taken off half time there. So he's not been given many opportunities there. But I think fans look back to last season yeah. and that period where Jesus was out injured and he played as a false nine and the fluidity, the final third, it seemed like Martinelli's game elevates, Saka's game elevates. So I'm not quite sure. I know you said that Eddie and Trossard's role was similar, but I think what we're seeing in terms of how Saka performs and how Martinelli performs, they seem to be a bit more cohesive and a bit more fluid at times. You know, there was times in this game, obviously be, being at the Emirates and having a higher view, you could see Trossard just coming out to the wide area. It's just more fluid. And I think also for fans, just to watch football, they're like, his touches are just more, they're more entertaining to watch. And so when you see that, you're like, okay, this guy can do it. A little flick, a little trick, a little, little step, step over, little things like that and fans get excited. So Alex, the question then becomes, as that false nine, whilst Jesus is out injured, is he a better option than Eddie? And is he actually the answer to one of our attacking problems to get into the centre of the pitch? Mm. Yeah, I was thinking about this because I, I anticipated that that would be the question. And I I suppose yes, but also my issue with Trossard is is at times, specifically sort of the end of last season, the beginning of this season, he's been a little bit in and out. He's been a little bit inconsistent with his performances. And, and you know, that happens and players go through that, that, those sort of periods of form. You know, we see situations like with Tommy Asu. You know, you don't know what's going on with players' lives, but, you know, we can see that that, that, that Trossard, I think, hasn't been consistently at, at his best. I think he's often been used best when he's come off the bench because he's, I think he suits the kind of that kind of game state. I think as a false nine option, yeah, I mean, he's, he's, I think Eddie much prefers the last line. I think when we play with with a false nine, and I would put say Trossard and Jesus in that in that category, uh, compared to more of a centre forward, although Eddie's doing a lot of dropping and, and that sort of stuff, it feels like the central areas are less congested. It feels like there's space to drive into, but that is when Trossard is absolutely at his best. His touch is is going. You know, he's linking in and out. He's creating the spaces and stuff. We'll come on to the 
wing and um, eight pairings and stuff. And I think for me, we're talking about this just off air, right? Like, you know, we, we all have this idea of this superstar number nine coming in and that's amazing. But actually, I don't know if you guys caught that interview with Pep uh, earlier on in the week where he talks about John Stones and he said, you know, I'm not, I'm not just doing it because, you know, I, I had the idea. I'm doing it because John can do that. I, I adapt mm-hmm. to my players. You know, he was making the point that I don't just like, people think I sort of come in and go, well, we're, we're definitely doing this. I adapt to the players that I have and, and use their skills. And that's absolutely what we have to do. So, you know, maybe we find ourselves in a situation as a team where our superstars are our wingers. So why do we go and rip that up with a, a Victor Osman? Personally, do I want to go and do that? Yeah. But, you know, you, you might say from, from an Arteta perspective, you might actually say, well, let's lean into this false nine thing with two unbelievable options. If Jesus and Trossard can stay fit, available, consistent, reliable, and we can get the the eights firing with the wingers and, and these complementary pairings that we're going to come and talk about. Why not? I, th- I think Eddie, look, Eddie is a fantastic option. As I say, he's the best next forward in terms of a centre forward who's behind another centre forward in the league. But actually, when you dig into the profile, I do think Trossard's more more suitable for our all-round players. As I say, I think the central areas get less congested. I think at times, not that Eddie's selfish, but you can see there's a kind of... If you if you had a sort of a, a chart of individuality to to team focus, Eddie's just a step further along to individuality. And that, now a striker, a proper number nine, needs that. You do need that in a number nine. But I wonder whether the team needs someone if he can stay reliable, and consistent, who is more focused towards the team. And I think Trossard is definitely more team first. Yeah, I think what Trossard can do is have games, good games, without scoring goals. And we saw it last season, that mm. stage where, you know, the games against Fulham, where he was getting assists and stuff. But his overall play, fans just like watching Trossard play because he's just a more technically appeasing yeah, player. Yeah. So when you do that and you see all the Twitter highlights and the TikToks, you're going to love him more often than not. And I think in terms of effectiveness, I, I think he's a bit more effective than Eddie. In each and every touch, just a sense to be like, a, I want to do, I want to make something happen. With Eddie, it seems like at mm. times the ball gets stuck under his feet sometimes and it's a bit stiff and it's a bit slow to release. Not saying that's all the time. He's a very good striker, Eddie. But I think in terms of the false nine profiles, I definitely think Trust was better. You, you were there last night, mm. right? I mean, what's the? Do you get a sense that fans in the stadium feel differently about Trossard? Yeah, there was a lot of like, especially for myself, I was like, ooh, ooh, that's a bit. Like, you know, a little, little, like, wow, yeah. Oh, no, no, no. Oh, I was off my Trossard's a player. It's tight. in terms of players that get me off my seat. Martinelli was doing it yesterday, but Trossard, I was like, whoa, 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 like little things like that. And Eddie's a bit, I guess at times a bit more basic and efficient at times, but when it comes to those little skills and that, fans want to see that. They want to see, that's what Jesus offers us. That's why they love Jesus so much. So I think just in terms of pure entertainment, Trossard is obviously better than Eddie in that aspect. And I think it's just that the fact that every time he plays, our front three becomes more fluid. So even if the role is similar to Eddie, the impact is different. So that's, that's what fans are seeing. Do, do you know what it is, guys, too? Um, we can't talk about just the individual and not address what was behind as well. And I'm sure we're going to get into it a little bit later. But the one thing with Trossard, as opposed to Eddie, you prioritize Eddie for what he can do in the box or creating what people can do in the box. Whereas Trossard, you prioritize what he does outside of the box. He also gives you a box presence. He just does it in a different way. I don't think Eddie between the 18-yard box is as complete as Trossard. I think he's a much better off-the-ball runner, a much better off-the-ball presser. I think if you're going to ask somebody to run the channels and be an outlet over the top of a press, Eddie's going to succeed more than Trossard's going to succeed in that scenario. But if you're going to ask a player to beat uh, a really low block or a team that's going to set up in a 4-3-3 like Sevilla did um, that gives space to the wings... 
um, and lets the wings um, free, then you're going to say, well, we may not need somebody to run the channels in this moment mm. in time. Uh, we may not have the space to run. And so his his strength is not going to be highlighted. And so then you start highlighting the weaknesses. Now, let's say we put Trossard as a touchline winger. People aren't going to like that. But if you ask him to do that role, he can do it, but you're going to highlight his weaknesses. And so I think for me, it's more about asking what the game is going to ask. And I know that may be a cop out for some people, but I don't think that a false nine is always the answer in every game. And I think that we need to maybe adapt ourselves to thinking, listen, with our collective front five and our collective defensive five, how can we achieve the best balance of runners and passers? How can we achieve the best balance on both sides so that we're not making um, the roles uh, redundant on one area of the pitch? And we'll get into that in terms of the midfield and how maybe that created more space. But if you're creating space for midfield, do you need to do the same from the striker position? Um, that is something broadly that you can ask yourself, right? Um, so, so I think Trissard did very well, just to conclude. He deserves praise because I think individually the performance was so good. And I don't want this to come across of that it wasn't because I think he was sharp. And he does deserve to start for me for Burnley as well because you're facing a very similar type of team. Um, I just think that with Trossard, he solves more um, with other people. He gives people a solution. And he I think he's very selfless in the way that he uses his touches, by the way. Trossard is a player, make no mistake about it, he's one of the most technical players in the squad. When you're talking about tight feet and you're talking about dribbling, I think he is somebody that could go on mazy runs. And I, I think one of the one differences I wanted to highlight is, despite being a false nine type like Jesus, he doesn't do the Jesus mazy run. He can do it. He's got the technical ability to do it. He chooses not to do it. And he actually chooses when to highlight that escape and those dribbling skills. That I think is the superpower that I really like as opposed to Eddie. So Eddie, he's got brilliant runs but he just makes the run all the time. Sometimes the game doesn't ask for that and he doesn't adapt to it. Trossard, he has the ability to do the mazy dribble like Jesus. He chooses not to do it. He chooses when to display that technical skill. Now, some could argue that's experience. Some could argue that's just being maybe a more complete player. But for me, that's the superpower that Trossard gave us to address the fluidity. Mm -hmm. It wasn't just the technical stuff. It was choosing when to use it. Yeah, I think it comes down to being also a difference maker. Trossard is more clinical than, than Enketia. That means that, especially in the Champions League, when you're yeah. going to have that one chance, who would I rather have that fall to? Leandro Trossard is the player. Because I think, think about how many chances he missed for Arsenal to signing for us. Very rarely. And he hasn't scored that many goals, by the way. But the goals he scores are outside the box. Uh, clean ball strike. And it's the ones where you're like, okay, he's made something there. He's made that goal for himself. And I think at times that we talk about the games like, you know, Newcastle, where we're struggling to take a shot off. Trossard is a player that if he shoots and he gets on target, there's a very good chance that goes in. And it was a goal he scored last year against Leicester, which got ruled out for, I think it was a foul on the goalkeeper. But stuff like that. Mm. And Keita did one. It was a lovely goal against, uh, was it Sheffield United? But Trossard's done that more consistently over his entire career. And he's left foot and right foot. He's a player that reminds me at times a bit of Jota. That's what fans have compared to at Liverpool in terms of the ability. He's just kind of, he's a, he's a nuisance for most big teams. He's got a great record against most big teams as well. And I think in the Champions League, that's going to be useful. Before we get into the midfield though, quick question. How far, having seen Arsenal now in three, or is it four Champions League games, do you think Arsenal will go in the Champions League? Alex, give me your answer first. Winners. Winners. Wembley, we're there? <laughs> no. Uh, we will be there. Um, look, it, it will depend on the draw. What what am I hoping for? I'm hoping we give our. I'm hoping we give a good account of ourselves, and that can that can look like a quarterfinal exit to Real Madrid, or it can Boo. look like a Champions League win. Do you know what I mean? 
No, no, no. But I'm serious. Uh, what I want is a is a good account of ourselves. We can't. Again, I think this is an Arteta thing, but it's kind of leaking into my own life. <laughs> we can't. You can't focus. He's, he's you know, it's a, it's a good principle of you can't focus on outcomes because then you'll just you'll just do this all the time. You have to focus on what you're doing every single day, and then the outcomes come. It's a cart before the horse thing that a lot of fans want to do. We need to do this. Well, hang on a minute. What if all your players got injured? What what if the team bus didn't turn up and there was no players? So what, what, what do you do then? Ca- you don't know what you do. What if the youth go to? You go to a different yeah. place, like the Listen, youth, and they have to reschedule. Right, you know? right and Bournemouth, <laughs> from personal experience, I can tell you are not the same. Um, but yeah, the uh, no, but my point is, you know, we have to focus on what we can control, what we do. And as long as we give a good account of ourselves, even if we go out, I don't mind. But I think, okay, let, let's, let's change the question. What's the capacity of this team? I think a final. Seriously, because we defend so well. George, we defend so looking well. Looking at how we perform against Sevilla, holding them to a 0.02 XG. I don't know they're not the amazing form right now in La Liga, but they've got European heritage. And we went to their ground and, you know, ground that result there as well. If we do get a Bayern, a Real, a heritage Champions League club, how do you think Arsenal, this Arsenal team, with everyone fit and available, heritage. is going to fit and cope? In a one-off game, brilliantly, because I think Arsenal are the best out-of-possession team in the world. Said it before in a previous so podcast. <laughs> It's, we're so good. <laughs> we're, we're we're incredible defensively, and I think that when you start looking at cup competitions and how do you win them, whether it's the World Cup, it's the Euro Cup, whether it's the Champions League, FA Cup, it doesn't matter what. Cup competitions prioritize defensive resoluteness, and I think over the course of a season, you need to have difference makers. We have them. We have them in Martinelli and Saka. We 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 have the attacking output, but defensively, that can be your undoing in these cup competitions. And as long as you keep it nil nil, as long as you give yourself a platform to basically compete, then anything can happen. And the margins are are the same for really any big club. But um, this defensive resoluteness of Arsenal makes me think, yeah, I agree with Alex final potential for sure. Um, I might go a bit farther. I think this team is good enough to be in a semifinal. I, I think that look, if we faced a big team like a, Bayern or Real Madrid and we lost in the quarters, I could understand it. I wouldn't be furious. Oh my goodness. But I, I do expect a semi-final participation for this team because I consider us to be among the top three to four teams in the world right yeah. now. Um, undoubtedly. And so it, it would be a disappointment not to do it. But look, I, I think going into Europe, you can't discount our European heritage, which is not good um and i think even the europa league in terms of teams that you would expect us to beat from sporting from olympiacos these are losses even sevilla at the time i don't think these are losses that you would have expected arsenal to have going into it so um i I understand our experience and our and our performance in europe as a club by the way this isn't just an arteta thing as a club let's unfortunately have it right we've been really poor in europe Mm -hmm. so um as much as I believe in the team's potential and their talent to be kind of top three to four in the world, until we're able to really sustain ourselves in the European marketplace, it makes it difficult for you to expect those things. But yeah, I'm with Alex. I think we have the potential for a European final. And I personally have an expectation of a semifinal okay. for this team this season. Okay, fair enough. And I think now we need to talk about another important thing in this game. Saka, Havertz, Martindale and Rice, the wide pairings were on fire. So let's talk about how did that affect, you know, the play and more importantly, Havertz and Saka specifically. To see Saka perform at that level, was that an example of what can happen when he's partnered with a profile like Havertz, Alex? 
Yeah, well, maybe I'll, I'll talk the principle and then maybe George, George can talk the specifics. George wants to talk, I think I the idea. Yeah, give it to yeah, me. I, I can see. But the idea, I think broadly, <clears throat> and I, th- I do agree with this, is the idea of trying to create balance. And as George mentioned earlier, in terms of your ball to feet players, in terms of your runners, in terms of your players who are more killer profiles, whatever, it's trying to create balance. And we, we, we know that in a team. I think what Havertz and Saka does um, is creates a runner profile with a ball to, uh, ball to feet profile. I think when you have a Saka and Erdegaard, you have two players who like the ball, who are ball heavy, touch heavy players, does that create situations where maybe one is not helping the other and, you know, the, the off the ball runs to create space that maybe Havertz can do for Saka. We saw Havertz adjusting his positioning, create some space and create some space for the goal. Um, and then on the other side, we also have a more, um, you know, a less touch heavy player in a Martinelli with a more touch heavy player in, in a Declan Rice. Now, uh, as we've spoken about before many times on this podcast, it would be interesting to see a, a ball, uh, a touch-heavy player with Martin Erdegaard paired with Martinelli because I think those reverse slip balls, I think the ability for Martinelli to to drift out wide and, and, and hold onto the ball and play some balls inside for Martinelli, but also have those half-space crosses and loads of different stuff. You've got to find the right pairing. And I think what we found and saw last night was a real nice balance and players not necessarily at the tip top of their form but you could see the the the, the pairing on the right hand side really worked and i think you could see the pairing on the left hand side really worked um but yeah I'll, I'll let george i'll let george go um thanks for checking out the canon podcast to hear the full episode sign up as a youtube member on this channel or go to patreon.com forward slash the canon pod sports social podcast network step into the world of power loyalty and luck i'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse with family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.